Jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good yeah. fellow. God, to hear my name, he's unison. He's a jolly good fellow, man. This is a paranoid version that nobody can deny. Wait, who would deny that? What? Who, who, would, who, who, who would deny that? Stand up, uh, stand young, up. Who in this crowd would deny? <laughs> who would deny? Is it whom would deny? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so welcome. Welcome to Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, soundtrack courtesy of Carl, and yeah. also hosted by Carl. Hi, Carl. Happy to do it. Hi. Good to Thanks. have you. Welcome. Hosted we are streaming live on miniradio.fm as we do every Sunday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast, 5 to 7 on the East Coast. Mountain time, you're on your own. What we do is yeah. we watch a full-length movie on YouTube, and you could follow our podcast uh, by the name L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You were trying to screw it up on, the, on your theme song by saying different letters at different times. I was L W A S L. No, you, well, you kept saying You kept saying M O Y T. Give me L-W- that. Yeah. What? It's L W A F L M O Y T. Like my syllables were messed up. Yeah, you know what? I think I had a cadence issue, but after the show, we uh, when we go over notes, I'll bring it up. <laughs> okay. We well, we watch that a, conference room. In our, <laughs> we have the the locker room. The you've seen you've seen the movie Punchline, right, with Tom Hanks and Sarah and Sally? Uh, yes, a long time ago. Yes, I have seen it. The best and Barry Sobel, of course, was in that. Mr. Barry Sobel. The best was the locker room scenes, where after the show, mm-hmm. the comics like Barry Sobel go into the locker room and change and talk about yeah. the night's show. That's really great. We have to make sure to have that scene when we do National Lampoon's Open Micers. That's right. We're, Carl and I are running a movie, Paul Brumbaugh. Oh, right. Yeah, it's called National Lampoon's Open Micers, and it stars Tom Arnold and uh, hitting the scene, hitting the mics. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, so that's, you heard it. Mike, what I was really thinking is, why don't I see if I could trademark just that, the movie title? And it would just say National Lampoon's Open Micers. Go like, for it. really have to spend the money. What do you think? I say we do it now before one of our listeners do it. Boom! Boom. so smart out there. I'm a clever guy. Carl, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Audience, we want you to watch this movie and listen to the podcast in sync for the full experience. If you're listening to us on the podcast and you want to watch the movie beforehand and come back, fine. But I don't think it's... Is it worth it? What's the movie Uh, today? Today we are watching The Man with Bogart's Face. And I guess... It would be okay. You wouldn't die of boredom, but just listen to our version. Okay. Uh, no, you have to watch the movie and listen at the full t- same time for the full experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So what you'll do is you go to YouTube and you will put in The Man with Bogart's Face. Now, there's going to be two entries that come up. You want Corey Semple, S-E-M-P-L-E, Corey Semple. Okay. Now, if the other one comes up and you click on it, it's going to be okay. It's just like a little longer for some reason, and the audio is real bad. So let's choose the publisher, Corey Simple. Okay, that sounds good. So go over to YouTube, go hit Corey Simple's uh, link, Simple's link, and which I did, and then hit pause and move the clock to zero zero zero. We want you to okay. hit play when 
the countdown is done. And I am so thrilled to have Paul Brumbaugh here to do our <laughs> countdown to the movie. Yes. Paul, how's it going? Very well, guys. How are you doing, Mike? How are you doing, Carl? Really good, really, really good. Thanks happy. for stepping up to the plate each time. Yeah, happy. pitching the first pitch. Yeah, all right. There you go. And I noticed that you guys are going to jump right into the movie. No titles, no nothing. So you guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over the triangle and let's do it in three, two, one, go. They're just unwrapping no his face song. right away. Right. Right. No credits, no theme song. So I thought that was like a bootleg issue because sometimes when they post movies on YouTube, they cut the first couple of minutes and they go straight to like a, a overexposed uh, shot. I think right. he should turn it. It shouldn't be Bogart. It should be like Jerry Lewis. Lady. Hey, lady. <laughs> and he's still a gumshoe. No, there was a Humphrey Bogart movie where he gets a face change. I think that was Dark Passage or something. No. Right, there yeah. was one, yeah. So this guy gets a face. It just starts right off. He gets a transplant. Yeah. And he's, but how can you transplant that twitch on him? You see the twitch he just did? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if you look like Bogart and your, your cadence sounds like Bogart, you could get the twitch down. That's easy. <laughs> it looked like he Don't forgot Bogart. to take the cotton balls out of his mouth, too. Here we go. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually went to see this in the theater back in 1980, and I went up to the wow. ticket clerk and I said, "Oh wow, that's fucking Jan Django." Oh, I'm sorry, this Michelle Phillips, Olivia. Hussey. Well, actually, there is the star of Django in this. Yeah, and, and Missy Michelle Rowe. Phillips is in it. Yeah. Missy Rowe is from Hee Haw, and Herbert Plum <laughs> from Pink Who's, Panther. Oh yeah, is in it. and every crap movie ever since. Yeah, he did. Uh, that was his one moment of. That was his flash in the pan. Look, so Bogart's even driving a 1940s car. Ah. Hey, I'm a 1980s driver. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm freaked out. It's my comedic. <laughs> this is my comedic plot point. I went to see this movie right when it came out, and I said to the ticket guy, I said. One please for the man with Humphrey Bogart's face. And he said, that'll be $8. And I paid it. And he handed me a picture of this guy's headshot. Uh-huh. And I said, well, that's the one that you advertised. I didn't realize there was a whole movie. Civil Danning. Co-starring. They're really big part. Oh, this is like... Look at that L.A. building, then. Is that what... That's the famous L.A. building. That's in Los Angeles. No, not the famous L.A. building. Just, you know, you go to downtown L.A. You can't and... miss it. It's next to the palm trees. <laughs> right, it's next <laughs> to the palm trees. He's a New York City. Oh, special appearances. George Raft. George Raft, you know, I was looking at his bio. He, he's uh -huh. a, he's a, did 80 movies, 80, over 80 movies, but seven of them he played himself. Oh, seven. That's, so, uh, and I've okay, seen a so few of them. a reputation. Yeah, so he uh, he was in Sextet, uh, the uh, Mae West movie from the 1970s, uh -huh. uh, which you should check out. He uh, was in The Patsy and The Errand Boy, which are two great Jerry Lewis movies, and he plays himself. Yeah. And uh, there's a movie called Deadhead Hours, which is Alan Arkin as a truck driver. It's a really weird movie. He plays himself, a nod to a film he did with Bogart years ago. Deadhead what? Deadhead Hours, and I looked on YouTube. There's not a full-length movie version of it, but okay. I'm gonna gonna put it in Netflix DVD and see it. You know, this was his final film. He died in November of '80. 
You know, oh, I, 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 I mentioned that Paul mentioned uh, something like it hot, which had George Raft. And then they, mm-hmm. Angels with Dirty Faces. Angels with Dirty Faces, George Raft. Both uh, uh, Cagney and uh, Some like it hot and some sweat when the heat is on. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-huh. Sorry, I'm looking at your band. I wasn't listening. The, and this is based on a novel. That's what fucking kills me. Some dude yeah, wrote a novel he, called The Man right. with Humphrey Bogart's Face, and some look-alike impression said, there we go, let's, yeah. let's go to That's Hollywood. exactly it. This is my vehicle. See, the guy wrote that, he wrote a book first, uh, just coincidentally. And very His name coincidentally. was Andrew Fenaday. Fenaday. He produced this film, he wrote the screenplay, and of course he did. This is Duchess. She is applying for the role of... Uh, of secretary. My God. And she really had her fame from looking like Marilyn Monroe. That's her big claim to fame. Okay, Vogart and, and Marilyn Monroe, did they do a movie together? No, they never did. <sighs> that I know of. This so, lady's name is Misty Rowe, and like she's famous for being in uh, Sweet Marlin, Marilyn in 89 and Goodbye Norma Jean in 76. She's like a Marilyn Monroe person. Oh, wow. She was in Goodbye Norma Jean? Yes, she was. Huh. And if you listen to her right now, she's like, oh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm so stupid. Do you have volume control? Check her out. Do you mind if I ask you something? Hey. There she goes, something dumb. Aren't you hot in a trench coat? No, I, uh, I don't wear underwear. Neither do I. I noticed that. You know, <laughs> you remind me of someone. Yeah? That twitch. I can't quite place it. So think of it when she's dreaming. Things come to her when she dreams. I bet they do, sweetheart. I said Bogart would never say sweetheart. My mistake. It's a guy who looks like Bogart, and he walks into his office, and a woman who looks like Marilyn Monroe comes in. Right. All right. This guy's his whole career was looking like Bogart. His entire career. Yeah, so his credits, like, he does play Humphrey Bogart in some movies. And plays, and plays. And plays. Well, you know, Woody Allen made that movie about Bogart, then he made a play about Bogart, and this guy was the star. He's looking at you, kid. I had to do it. He went around the country doing it. Yeah. Play it again, Sam? Uh, yes. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Play It Again, Sam was Woody Allen's play. You know that in, and, in Casablanca, he never said Play It Again, Sam. The actual line is, will you fucking play the goddamn song, Sam, for fuck's sake? <laughs> but the Epstein brothers who wrote the screenplay, they, they changed it. Now, you see Lurch here, right? Yeah. It's a woman, and what's happened is her, her, her man, her boyfriend, is, like, missing. So she's trying to hire uh, Sam, uh, Philip Marlowe. To do the investigation, but it turns out she's the landlady, and Philip Marlowe is behind on the rent due months. So if he finds the the uh, the boyfriend, he's off the hook, and he gets three months free. Wait, you called him Philip Marlowe, isn't it? In the movie, his name is Sam Marlowe. Yes, yeah. actually, you see, in The Big Sleep, he was Philip Marlowe, and in right. The Maltese Falcon, he was Sam Spade. Those so are my the, mistake. Those are the two Bogart movies I know, and I've seen them dozens so- of times. <laughs> Yeah, so therefore he is Sam Marlowe. You're right. And that's probably in the novel, too. I got to read the book. Oh, man, I got to go read a book now. 
Thanks, Now, buddy. this one, a Razzie for worst song, but I think it might have been the inaugural Razzie. It says... Yeah, it would be 1980. Because 1980, when, like, Xanadu came out and... Uh, I think Can't Stop the Music was when was when the guy said, I'm going to do the Razzies. Okay, so so maybe this one wasn't the inaugural. Cause it would be around they, there. They won it in 81. Right. It could be the 1980s Razzies announced. Because right. they announced it the day uh, before the uh, Academy Awards. Yeah, that's perfect timing. Of course it is. And they won Worst Original Song for The Man with Bogart's Face. Now, we had the mute on when that was on, playing, but all it is is a stupid blues song. You know, boom, boom. He's got the Bogart face. It kind, of, it kind of reminds me of the session musicians in the uh, Bruce Willis movie Blind Date, where he's like, hey, come on by. Oh, that was wasn't it? God, I forgot who was in that. Now I have to find out. But Sam Marlowe here. Oh, well, he's got a normal phone, at least. It's not like... So I do this open mic every Tuesday at a room place called The Boiler Room, and you go in there, and there's this old-timey phone. You know how you used to pick up the horn to your ear? But they also have the regular phones with the uh, rotis- rot- rotisserie, right? R- rotary uh, dialing. When I look at that mic, it looks completely normal and natural. You don't go, what? Yeah, I don't say, look how old this is. This looks like a phone. <laughs> That's how old I am. Yeah, you got phones here. Big deal. What's the big deal? How come you got phones? They don't even, they're not even plugged in. You know, it's like, uh, right? I always hate the expression, Google it. It's a, it's a phone with a rotary. If you don't know what that is, Google it. You know, I Why think, do you hate that? Other, other people hate it too. Because it's like, either people know or people don't know. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, you, uh, either you like, you've, you know, back in our day, we, we, did we say like, Fibber McGee. Go to the encyclopedia. Go to the library. Yeah, you go check out your local library. That's what you would say. No, but the thing is, like, in today's day, listen, a lot of people agree with you. They hate when someone says Google it. Last night, I was at a diner in Northville, New Jersey. I did a comedy show, and one of the comedians did this whole thing about Google it and how much she hates it. And I got to tell you, everything you ever wanted to know, it's in our pocket. I think I do, you know. I don't mind when people say that because, okay, he got a mysterious phone call. It said, meet me at the Hollywood Bowl, and he is going to meet a woman now named Eva, uh, and it's all about Eva's father, all right? So our our plot is starting to open. All right. Now, when these detective stories, the woman who comes in for the assignment uh, is always like, a, uh, it's always like the bad guy's girlfriend lying about Right, right. We just want you to uh, take photos of this affair my husband's having. I got the photos. <laughs> right. I never had a wife. What? And boom. I, I no, but it's always a beautiful woman who's like afraid for her father who's disappeared, who happens to be like a scientist or a you know he was on the train from East when Wacket right. when this this woman we're meeting here not Eva it's Elsa she goes on to marry Dean Martin's son. Huh. Dean Martin, Dino Jr.? Uh, it's called Dean Paul Martin. Of course that dick named his kid Dean Martin. Yeah. What a douche, douche. Dean Paul Martin is his name, and uh, they, they, 
One time in 1985, her son nearly drowned in the backyard, and there's this, like, 911 call she makes, and the 911 operator talked her and her husband through saving the, the, uh, the, the son, the child. Oh, wait, here, here comes the mummy. Yeah. What's up with this guy? These are like the bad guys in uh, Christmas Story. Oh, the wet bandits? Oh, no, that's Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Story, bad guys. Well, like, they come to meet because, you know, the father's missing and Whoa. these people show up. And, He's... of course, he knew about it. He goes, this is funny, but you're not going to believe me, but you were followed. I was. And then he turns around and there they are. Yeah, did you see that yeah. short guy shoot? He like he had his hand in his trench coat, and right. he shot his gun through his trench coat or something. Right, which is like such a dick move. It's such a dick you move. You know, could have just kill him by surprise, sucker punch. And you think that's a sucker punch? <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, you remember? Um, yeah. We just saw Godfather, yes. and Apollonia blew up. Yes. No, oh, it's she sweet. was uh, the initial choice for Apollonia. Okay. She didn't make it for some reason. <laughs> but Francis Ford Coppola picked her, or the casting agent or something. Oh, oh, the one we just saw. Yeah, Elsa in our movie. Gotcha. Huh. Now, she's going to her dad's, and That's... the dad will be murdered right away, because I'm a spoiler-ass motherfucker. You can spoil the fuck out of this movie. And the reason why this movie is 20 <laughs> minutes shorter is that this is the edited TV, uh, made for t uh, edited for TV yeah. version. Which That's I don't fine. mind because the mind. audio is good. Not that you're listening to the audio. What, I mean, what does he do? Tony Man? He has a, shoots an orgy with the Marilyn Monroe lookalike, and uh, that's see the, the thing. guy. He's already dead. Oh, and he's going to be out of this movie. He always played the Nazi. This guy, uh, Buck Carlitian. He was in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. He was in huh. Planet of the Apes. Huh. But usually he plays the uh, the Nazi. Was he like the fellow astronaut? I think we're going to make it, Chuck. No. <laughs> he wasn't anything good. <laughs> Remember the other two astronauts from Planet of the Apes? Hey, yeah. Hey, so we landed on a planet far out. Cool. Yeah. And that's they so take when your do we die? <laughs> right away. Oh, no. The apes are going to take your your voice box out. And, and Charles is going to see you and get pissed off. You know, that was the most intense part of that movie for me. It's when he said, get your hands off me, you goddamn stinking apes. And they all turn around like a talking human. Yeah. And they gawk at him. That was so intense. Oh, I was. Yeah. That's what sold... Oh, wait. I got to tell you, one of these reporters is that uh, Robert Osborne, who does the AMC. The late Robert. The movie Robert. you're about to see. Yeah. He passed away. Oh, did he? Yeah. Let's try to find his face, because right. I looked and froze the screen and everything. Huh, he never Hold talks on. about being... No, why hasn't the man on Bogart's face... Right here. Been... One huh. of these yeah. reporters. I think it's you the middle him? guy, the one with hair. Oh, of course. Oh, no, 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 no. It's that guy on the... It's this profile guy, that guy in the blue suit, the one with the white hair. Here, him, there's the back of his head. He Not should the... be younger here, much younger. Ah, it's 1980. I think he was wearing a blue suit and had, like, silver hair. Now, one of these cops, you'll know his face because you saw him on TV eight million times. Is it Which Evan one, Neal? left or right? The guy who looks like Homer Simpson. Which one, left or... Left. I've seen cop? the left guy. No, I've seen the other guy. That guy, yeah. He's the shorter guy. But the other guy is from Beverly Hills, Billy, right? Looks like a fucking acorn, dude. What a crazy head. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, we're black and white. Just, just oh no, the Dunkin' Donuts is cool. It's Dunkin' Donuts. I know. Well, the thing is, it's not the '40s. It's the '80s. Yeah, but there's something called product placement in movies, and you know, you can be subtle about that shit. Oh, right. I mean, but the thing is, product placement was so new in 1980, 1981, that you could be blatant about it. Nobody at home would go, hey, wait a minute. They would just yeah. think, okay, well, it happens to be. No, that's not true. I mean, didn't well, Coca-Cola bought Columbia Pictures maybe in 83, so they knew there was a, a, a good reason for these movies. But uh, if Star Wars was a hit in 77, they must have started like plugging shit into their movies. Uh-huh. I guess you're right. Not Star Wars, because... If you saw Dunkin' Donuts in Star Wars, you'd go, what the fuck? Oh, no. I always look forward to the uh, Taco Bell KFC commercials where they, <laughs> where they have Domino's, where they have like these young-looking, uh, we're happy to be service workers. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. with our Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Star Wars, uh, fry, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken contest, you could be a winner. All you got to do is order a five bean, whatever the fuck, you know, like... Uh, don't get me started. It's Christmas coming up. It's going to be commercials of smiling Best Buy employees talking to the camera. Yeah. How can I help you? At home, <laughs> right. Depot. Not how can I help you. Yeah. How can I help you? Oh, and the worst of the T-Mobile ones, the ones, the commercials where they're all like, uh, hi, so you're looking for a family plan? We're looking for a family. Well, we got a great option for you. You know, it's just yeah. like nobody talks that way. Fuck. But they have to be the the face of the corporation, so you know, right? It's a heightened uh, version of of just the way we communicate, and it just sickens me. I don't know. Just now you see the picture there. Yeah. Okay, this is Gina, and Gina is really the woman in the mamas and the papas. You know, Phillips, Michelle Phillips. Michelle, wait a minute, Michelle Phillips. You know, for the longest yeah. I thought it was Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> is that her right there, Michelle Phillips? Yes, she's her hair is brunette, not blonde, so that throws you off a little bit. Right, because of California, they're always blonde. She is the mother of Shayna Phillips. You know Shayna. Do I? And, uh, yeah, I met her once. No, I'm kidding. I don't. And know. the ex stepmother of Mackenzie Phillips. You met Shayna. No, Phillips? I didn't meet Shayna. I don't. I was just making a joke. Oh, okay. Twitch. Shayna. Shayna. There's a pun in there. Phil. Phillips. Huh. Phillips. Like when you go to the gas station, fill her up, please. You know, you always get Phillips. Let's see. Shayna. Shay is a stadium. Let's see. Shayna. Okay. Gina came in and she's like, oh, my sad story. Please come, you know. You know, I think I have it was. To pay a rent. A ransom or they'll expose my photos. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in Blind Date, I think it was uh, uh, Stanley Jordan. He went to see, Bruce Willis goes to see like an L.A. studio musician perform. And it was kind of. Right. The theme song kind of reminded me of the song. That's all. Uh-huh. All right. Sorry. I was looking it up. Remember how Bruce Willis like plays the harmonica and like he has to, you know, we have to be exposed to his bad music because he's famous. Yes. Actually, that, those time has passed, right? He doesn't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, I don't think, but gee, I remember that clearly, man. There's a YouTube clip of a live concert he did, and he, like, walks out in a white suit, and he pulls out the harmonica, and people just go nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, Bruce. He, yeah. Used to, he used to perform uh, uh, harmonica back at, when he was a student at Montclair State College. Yeah, but the thing is, what he does is the same thing every harmonica player's ever done, ever. You know what I mean? 
And the music behind him is boo 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 boo. It's just bluesy blues bluesy meets fusion. It's awful. I don't know. Uh, one man's opinion. Well, I I got into Bartles and James wine cooler thanks to that guy. Oh, no, Seagram's Seagram's <laughs> wine coolers. This won the Thinker's Bad Movie Awards and Edgar Allan Poe Award. Oh, this movie won an Edgar Allan Poe Award. That's right, 1981. For what? For being for because we love. I don't know Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> so we're watching the TV version, as you know, but it also came out in the theaters six months later, and I think you said you went and saw it. Yeah, and the the ticket guy said, "Sure, here's the picture." And I said, no, 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 motion picture. And he goes, what do you think this movie's about? And I go, yeah, I think the headshot's good enough. I don't really need to. <laughs> like, this movie scares me because it's like, what is this about? It's a man who's okay, had Okay, so right face. now he's, we're missing all the plot. Maybe that's cool with you. I don't know. What do you think? No, you can, we could plot it out. <laughs> is he punch Gina? Well, uh, Yeah. Any punch That's moment? what I'm saying. Like sometimes this movie will make you laugh. He knocked everybody <laughs> out. No, but the thing is, he went in there with Gina. He's representing Gina. Like, why did she get backed in the face by him for no reason? Does he keep him as his? Uh, yeah, he still plays him, right? Or did he punch her? He get, she got hit over the head with one of those like. Billy Jacks. You know, yeah, the bad guys in the 20s used to carry this thick thing. They just bonk you on the head. <laughs> well, we couldn't afford it back then. Blackjack? We had a, what was it called? Blackjack. We couldn't yeah, afford yeah. a blackjack. We had to use like a abalone or like a trout that we picked up from the farm, <laughs> from the fishmonger outside. Get your now, catfish thick as a billy club and half the price. But now, always, this is the father of Gina. He is King Tut on Batman, you know? Yes. It's hard to tell without his uh, headdress. Right. Look at it. You can see in his face. He doesn't have that beardy... Uh... Well, Mr. Marlowe, that might just be a riddle of the Sphinx. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> um, he was in one, two, three, four, five. He was in ten episodes of Batman... Three episodes of Wild Wild West, four episodes of Perry Mason. He's just one of those TV guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, the director of this film does mostly television movies and TV oh, series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So this was the entry release, I think. And then six England. months later, it was in, on TV. No, it was the other way around. It came out on TV first, and then they theatrically released it. I don't know why. Wow, that's crazy, Carl. This is a genuine yeah. curio. It's very backwards. Huh. The public just Well, this guy it. did about 40 films, but he was mostly, like you said, TV. Right. Um, he worked his way up from clapper boy, you know, take one, to camera operator, to cinematographer. And then uh, in the mid-50s, he became a director, and he did The Green Man, 1956. Huh. And then he launched a very blasé career in which he did a bunch of TV, TV movies. Now, weren't you fired as a clapper boy? <laughs> no, I was fired as a fluffer boy. But in my defense, my hand was tired. <laughs> was okay, my jaw was killing me. Yeah, you were on your knees all here. day. Union. My hands and knees all day. Yeah. <laughs> Union. Yeah, so I got fired as a fluffer boy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Now, what were Thanks. you working? What, what set were you working on? 
what set was I working on? Yeah. It was Ding a Ling a Ding Dong. Volume uh, we two? Were in the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this director, he directed Barnaby Jones and Dallas and Walt Disney's Wonderful World of. Uh, you know, yeah, he directed a Matlock episode. He was TV guy. Yeah. Well, it shows, you know. We are watching TV here. Yeah. Oh, well. So now Gina is paying Sam Marlowe. With a kiss. Revealing her affections for him. I mean, they just met, remember? And this is and Michelle in the Phillips. Face. Yeah, I know. That's nuts. Just like 10 minutes ago. You know, it, it never gets explained. She goes, why did you hit me? And he goes, I'll explain later. And he never does. <laughs> never shows up. It's just part of the comedic, you know, there are a few jokes in here. Okay, here comes Pink Panther, dude. Oh, I'm on American television. <laughs> He's supposed to look like Peter Lorre, yes. Yeah. Well, that's exactly. just Hubert Lum talks. I think well, it was. I saw another film with. He's in a bunch of movies. Don't get me wrong. He's just best known for Clouseau, but he shows yeah. up in a lot. Well, uh, War and Peace, The Human Jungle, Lady Killers. Lady uh, Killers. He's yeah. been in a lot of movies. I remember that. He has a great twitch, especially when Clouseau uh, turns his swimming right. pool into green jello. Oh man. <laughs> You know, he goes out on his patio by his pool. He goes, oh, what a beautiful day. I can't wait to jump into this nice, clear, green water. And then he jumps and it's yellow. <laughs> oh, boy. May you never get off the trail of Pink Panther, guys. I would kill you. <laughs> so um, he was actually in a Humphrey Bogart movie once called The Love Lottery of 1954. And he had a part. Huh. So he's one of the only people who rubbed shoulders with the real. Let me Bogart guess. He played a show. love lottery loser. <laughs> Damn it! So close. But he was supposed to look. He's supposed to be Peter Laurie in this movie. Huh. And Laurie was in five Humphrey Bogart movies. Well, and sense. Maltese Falcon, he plays the heavy in that one. Was he was super gay in Maltese Falcon? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, he was in the Patsy as well, I believe. Peter Lorre, when the one with George uh, Raft. Patsy, I don't think so. Okay, according to the internet, there were yeah. five movies, The Maltese Falcon, All Through the Night in 42, Casablanca, yeah, we know. Well, we know, right, of course. Passage to from. Marseille in 44, and The Beast, and Beast the Devil, 53. Huh. Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen that. You know, I've seen Casablanca once. I just remember people were annoyed I was breathing through my mouth. <laughs> it's the little things you remember. Okay, That's, now we're back to the guy who was on everything on TV ever. This guy with the widow's peak? Yes. I mean, he was on uh, My Name is Earl in 2008. That was the last thing he was a part of. But you've seen his face, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I have seen his face. Baywatch Nights, Matlock, Hill Street Blues, Fall Guy, Cagney and Lacey, Fantasy Island, Charlie's Angels, Kojak, Bionic Woman. I remember he said, he was just here, Bionic Woman. <laughs> right. It, yeah, that was his kind of role. Yeah. But he did play, he was in Chinatown in 74. And nice. I don't know, The Fox and the Hound. I don't know. Now, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid came out in 93? Uh, no, no. Uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid came out right when Steve Martin came out. Well, it was The Jerk in 79. 
okay, so it was like 80 or 81. Uh, it, it was Lonely Guy, Lonely Pennies guy. from Heaven. Yeah, Pennies from Heaven. And that, um, I think it, all four of those movies came out at once. Of course, first The Jerk well, came out, but... But there was The Jerk, The Man with Two Brains, all of me. Well, that comes out e- even like like two years later. Okay. Um, well, when was Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid? I, I, I really think it was right when he hit in 80... Google it. <laughs> Google <laughs> I'll check it my local me. library. On. So what if I... I'm going to uh, Google it. What if I, uh, so in 1980, I could have seen The Man with Bogart's Face and Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid? It would be like went double Bogart? Well, this was during an, um, uh, an era in which there were a lot of these kinds of films, yes. Um, and people still give, gave a damn. Yeah, where is it? I have it written somewhere. It was the era in which, era in which they did that. Um, you can do it for me. I don't see where I have it written down, but... Oh, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it for sure. Ooh, nice sweat. Here it is. One of number of 1970s spoofs, film noir, hard-boiled detective films of the 40s. Murder by Gas. Uh, the Cheap Detective, 78, from Neil well, Simon. Keeper. Huh. Play It Again, Sam, by Woody Allen. The Long Goodbye, in 73. Yeah, that was uh, Robert Altman with... Uh... What's his name? Uh, not uh, oh, okay. I'll get to me, but that's a good one. Dead, uh, yeah. I don't fucking remember. Gould. So this theme was popular. Yeah, I guess it's a lot of references. I mean, he. Uh, I do love Maltese Falcon. I watch. I can watch that movie in a heartbeat. It's a little talky, don't you think? It's a little talky. Don't you think? You know, and it's sort of back and forth with the the prize that they're all after. Right, but, you know, they're all cutting each other, and he, he kind of sells out the woman at the end, but she was going to double-cross him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's just a little heartless bastard. In the beginning of right. Maltese Falcon, right, It's a, he has a uh, partnership, and his partner's like, oh, I'll go on that stakeout, honey. Don't, don't, don't let Spade do it. And he goes and yeah. walks up some area, like a little steps in San Francisco, and he gets shot. And he's dead. And the next scene is fucking Sam Spade uh, shaving his ex-dead partner's name off the windows. Yeah. Like, it immediately became You're Sam. supposed to do something about it if your partner gets... Yeah. Doesn't matter if you didn't like him. Oh, oh we're totally blowing the pot, plot, but I want you to know he's found the, the Lurch girlfriend's boyfriend. <laughs> the Lurch. And what he's done is he's run away from home because she's overbearing and he's working out and losing weight and getting prepared to go back to her. Oh, that's romantic, so, I think. <laughs> well, he's doing it for his own defense because he keeps getting knocked around and, you know. Yeah. So I moved into the YMCA. Him. She won't let him do it. I work out in the gym all day with the men. And then I go to bed at well, the like, YMCA. He wants to go work out, and she prevents him nonsense and feeds him and stuff. So, huh? Okay, so Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, May twenty one, nineteen eighty two. Oh, all right. So it is after the jerk by a by a bunch. Well, the jerk. He did a, like four movies with Carl Reiner as director. Yeah. The, the jerk, uh, Man with Two Brains, uh, right? All of Me, and uh, uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. 
wonderful films. Great, great films. Yeah, great films. I love and he didn't do Lonely Guy with them, which wasn't as good a film. Yeah, no, that was its own thing. And it was, you know, it, it had its own vibe to it. The Men with Two Brains, that was terrific. That's a great movie. No, you don't understand. I was going to drug you, and then I was going to take your brain. I don't mind. <laughs> no, but you see, I would be exploiting you and trying to use you to put another person's brain in your physical body for my selfish reasons. That's all right. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, she has this great voice. <laughs> if I like me, like I love. <laughs> that's that's my favorite part. They were married, by the way, those two. Really? He was yeah. married to a brain? Uh, no, he was married to... I don't mind! Oh, right, yeah. It's just... <laughs> well, do you remember when he leaves the scene and goes, you don't get it, I'm not going to kill you, that's it. And he leaves and she goes, it's my voice! <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> oh, that's the best. We saw... Uh, well, she was... does not look like mamas and the papas. Look how... She looks so 40. Now tell me, like, so she was a singer in it or she was just happened to be the celebrity wife of, like, she was in the no, band, right? No, she was in The Mamas and the Papas. So yeah. if I hear California Dreaming, I'm, I'm hearing Michelle Phillips. Yes, you are. All right, there we go. Well, because I hear horrible stories about John Phillips, like really just disgusting yeah. stories. So mm -hmm. it just kind of. Really bad. Yeah, so it kind of kills them. And she was married to that. Yeah, I know. That's bad news. But she went on to have a life after him, and she was in Beverly Hills 90120 for nine episodes as a main character. She was on Not Landing for 89 episodes. I mean, oh, she goes on God. to have a career and distance herself from him and his abuse and all yeah, that Yeah, all that's horror. Yeah. And she gets to kiss uh, Humphrey Bogart in person yep. for work. Hey. That was good. Well, the guy talks about having trouble with it, right? Everyone sees Bogart and not him, and he's doing acting. He wants to be rewarded for being a great actor. Not Nobody thinks he's a great actor. They think he, he got born with Bogart's face. Oh, no, no. He, so, he, he looks like an impressionist who just happens to look like some guy that gets impersonated, uh -huh. right? You know, okay. like he, I think if he looked like somebody else, he would just do different impressions as well. But because he looks well, so much. he's got a stigma about it, as if he was like um, a dwarf or something. His whole life, he's been, you know, Bogart, right. and he's got issues with it. And he does it though. He 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 did all the plays. He went around the country doing this movie we're watching as a play, and doing Woody Allen's play. God, that's right. And he was in lots like... of movies as Bogart. The Man with Humphrey Bogart's Face was a novel, a play, and a movie. And a TV movie. Yep. A TV movie and a theatrically released movie. They are going to soak it until it's dead. Oh, my God. Experience, Robert Satsy, like you ever have before. Yeah. His first uh, bogey ever was a TV commercial in the 1960s selling raincoats. You could... Oh, really? You know how to buy yep. a raincoat. You just... I can't do Bogart. Now, Lorraine Bacall was in Bogart films, and apparently it's reported she was, like, doing way, like, double takes, double takes when she met him. Huh. Well, my first story about Humphrey Bogart and Lorraine Bacall is that in The Big Sleep, the movie came out in 1970. They finished the movie in 1947, and it just yeah. so happens that's when the World War II finished, right? We're talking about coincidence. Right. So 
they said, shit, Warner Brothers held on to the movie and they released all okay. this other stuff because the war was ending. And then uh, a year later, they did some reshoots with the actors in the same scene, but it's a year later. And they right. And it's a movie. So when you watch it, there's some conversations they have which were shot like a year apart. Like they they added dialogue, so they had to go back. What's it called again. again? The Big Sleep. It's it's a very oh. weird movie. It doesn't make a lick of sense. I don't understand the plot. I'll I'll rent that too. But that's Philip Marlowe. Huh. So they're in the House of Mirrors. They went into the Wax Museum. He's like, she goes. Will you pay my ticket? And he'll go, I only need to pay your ticket. I get in free. Like, why is that? Like, it's, he's always, like, he's got no qualm. This movie has no qualms with, you know, having it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just an impressionist. Look, Mike, you know what I think? Here's what yeah. I think. I think they, this guy, I think he missed his career. What I really think should have happened is they should have produced serious black and white gumshoe detective film noir films with him as the star of, you know, playing Bogart. That would be, I mean, okay, it's a comedy. He looks like him. Ha ha ha. But if they were really reproducing those black and white films, I bet you there would be a huge market for that. Oh, it's such bad luck. It's such bad luck to shoot going into a house of mirrors. <laughs> That's seven years bad luck, you idiot. You I'm at idiot. 14. Oh. You idiot, slow down. 28 years, you son of a bitch. But on the plus side, you shot this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the well, glass cut news. him. Yeah, the glass cut him. You missed that guy, but the glass cut him. House of Mirrors. Maze of Mirrors. I'm back in my He's day, mazes were made yeah. of corn. You know, we didn't have these <laughs> tricky mirrors. The problem with the House of Mirrors is you can see the Minotaur, like in the maze. Dun, 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 dun. They wear ski, striped ski masks. Yeah, every time. So stupid. Numbs the brain. Henchman number one. Maybe this is more like Batman. Watch where you're going. Nice face. Did anyone tell you to look like... Yes, they have. That's right. That's Robert Sassy talking to a mirror. No, but he said stuff like that all throughout the movie. He gets ah. he gets laid in this movie, and he just shot a man. So I mean, yep. it's not like his masculinity is questioned. Nope. How tall was Bogart? Like four two, right? 4'11". Was he really so small? I don't know. I, he was diminutive, I think. Well, no, he was. Just, I don't know. I don't think he was six feet. You know, you talked about them making a movie, a play, a book. It yeah. gets worse. He wrote a sequel called The Secret of Sam Marlowe, The Further Adventures of the Man with Bogart's Face. Put it out the year that this thing came out. Huh. But you know, Maxwell Smart's theatrical movie came out, The Nude Bomb, and that was such a disaster. They said, oh, ixnay. Ixnay on that <laughs> other one. <laughs> that sounds right. <sighs> So it's going into his room. I didn't need any jumping. We haven't had that drink yet. Are you kidding? Would I kid you? He's pouring whiskey. That's so He's cool. a gumshoe. Yeah. Why don't you get out of the rain? Okay. 
they do these like interstitial swipes or whatever. You know, but, uh, I think that I'm serious now. I think it could be some commercial breaks. I mean, this was for TV, oh, yeah, for TV, and we're watching the TV. But she, she walks into his apartment, right? And then they have this swipe where now they're drinking, and then they have another kind of like noticeable swipe, and they're in bed. And it's like you know, the next swipe would be him like. I'm sorry, I, I, my mind was on other things, and usually I go longer. <laughs> Him making breakfast. Yeah, oh boy. Okay, is this uh, Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. Duchess, the secretary. I don't know. Neither do I. I would appreciate an hour of your time. Please be at the Ambassador Hotel's Hey Carl, I'm Humphrey Bogart. I'm Humphrey Bogart. Oh, you didn't. You you don't say. You don't say. No, I'm Humphrey Bogart, man. Right? You're telling me again the 80th time you're telling me. Yeah. You know, maybe I do remind you of somebody on uh, late night TV. Hey, do I know? Hey, do do I look like somebody? Well, they look like me. Maybe you should say they look like me. Well, he says that actually. He goes, I look like them. Yeah. Who brought it uh, up? No, I look like him. He goes, don't you look like somebody? He goes, no, I look like him. She got but that dress somebody... out of Lil Abner. Yeah. Uh, maybe she went to Hee Haw, and then she just like got off the set of Hee Haw and shot this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, song. now this is the uh, like underling of Hakeem. She's like a slave girl. Okay. And he's going to go meet Hakeem, who's Italian. And he was the Django guy you mentioned. Yeah, Django. So they were in, uh, I was looking around, they were both in Die Hard 2, Robert Sati and uh, Django guy. They were in Die Hard 2? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. It's weird. Here he is. He was in Django with uh, Jamie Foxx. No, he was in Django in No, no, but he, he made a, yes, and then he made a cameo. Oh, oh, did he? Oh, cool. He's in Candyland. He's like, he shows up at the bar and gets a drink and he talks to Jamie Foxx. It's not a very artful cameo, considering that the mansion must have mm. like three people in it. One of them happens to be Django in it. So I heard that um, th that he's retired now. He made uh, some Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and now he's retired. Who? Uh, Quinn Tartino? Yes. He's been playing up the fact that his tenth movie would be his last, and he has his own. He has his own, and according to his own order, Once Upon a Time in America was his ninth movie, technically his penultimate uh, movie. But you know, uh, Steven. So wait, is there another one coming or no? Yeah, there'll be another one coming. He's actually in talks of doing an R-rated Star Trek movie, which I might think I think might happen. Uh huh. Interesting. The Star Trek of that franchise that we know? Star Trek, yeah. But it would be his take. Wow. Yeah. But would they let him do that? Would Paramount, you know... Yeah, he's in talks would... with Paramount. Weird, weird, weird. Well, what does Paramount care? It keeps, it keeps Star Trek in the conversation. I suppose so, but it's also their baby, and they pretty much, you know, every time they make a movie, people go, you know? I mean... I don't know that they need to revive the brand. Uh, anyway, well, did, I saw it, and once again, he changed history. 
Oh yeah, you want to do spoilers? Yeah, he changed history, which I felt was just like I hated that. I just hated that. It's just so dumb. Well, the thing is, when you're watching Inglorious Bastards, you knew that everything was going to be okay in the end for the bad guys because right. you knew history. Right. So, so Hitler dying while watching an art movie uh, yeah. by everybody, and plus he gets blown up. You know, it's funny in a, in a way. You know, it's yeah. it's a perverse like it's in the Looking Glass. I mean, it's it takes place in the cinema. You know, it's just, and you're watching a movie and it's just ridiculous. And it calls itself out, you know. But this was like, first off, you know, that movie that uh, she goes to see, right? Uh, the Dean Martin movie, it's not a good movie. Right. You know, I'm just shocked to see mm-hmm. like a, a Max Helm movie being like, I mean, it's ironic, I guess, but it, it's not the best film. Well, you know? she was the ditz or the klutz, right? Yeah, she was kind of like the ingenue in that. Should I see that movie? What's it called? Uh, was it like demolition something? Matt, uh, Dean Martin made okay. a bunch of like James Bond spy movies, like uh, spoofs, uh-huh. and his character is named Matt Helm, and he did like four of them. They all have different names. Like there's no like rhyme or rhythm to, rhythm to the titles, but and by the fourth one, it's it's just so bad. So I don't gotcha. know like how good or bad that is. It's just that those films. She was Sharon Tate, right? Sharon Tate is we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I just felt like, honestly, if you ask my opinion, he did Django Unchained, which was uh, Antebellum uh, America done as a television western where he's a, they're bounty hunters and there's a revenge right. factor. Then he did a movie, uh, the three-hour one, The Hateful Eight, which I really liked. And that one was based on a 1950s, 1960s TV episode where the same thing happened, where these, these strangers are in a, a, play, a barn and they had to figure out who's the killer or what have you. And, you know, they're all, all the characters played bounty hunters. And then his third right. movie, so we have a Western trilogy, is about actors playing Western bounty hunters in the 1960s and how that faded out. And I felt like mm-hmm. had he just stuck with that 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 theme and took out the whole yeah. Sharon Tate thing, it would have made a really cool trilogy of Western movies yeah, about yeah. bounty hunters and the portrayal of bounty hunters and America's uh, pop culture obsession with like bounty hunters and, and the Western. And, uh, right. you know, so I felt disappointed that he had to also do an old trick that he did in Glorious Bastards where history gets changed. And for what? So you can say, yay. We got them. Yeah. They're okay. They go have a drink That's afterwards. Justice. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I was really party. disappointed. Yeah. I just think it's bad. I mean, like, he had this great opportunity to say something in the last three films. The tie, mm-hmm. this obsession of saying, I'm doing 10 movies and I'm out. You just did a trilogy uh, on Westerns. Why, why couldn't you be a nerd about that and, 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 you know, geek out about that shit, you know? I'd be like, yeah. It's Every a- time you see an interview with him, like, somebody will offend him or step on his toes or something. He freaks out. <laughs> oh, I agree. He, uh, there's a famous one. There was a, a Bay Area movie reviewer, Jen Wall, and she was known because she would wear these big hats. And she was actually one of the uh, Ebert uh, co-hosts when they were doing at the movies with, with celebrity hosts. And she's talking about Kill Bill to him. And she's like, why do you make these violent movies? And he's like, well, because I want uh, 13-year-old girls to see this movie and be like empowered. And she's like, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, and she calls him out on that. And it's, it's really right. funny. It's on YouTube, that clip. Maybe I'll play it at the end. <laughs> Yeah, well. Um, so I haven't kept you abreast on the plot. And I, I know, there's Hubert Long. I'm somehow okay with you. 
No, no, tell me what's going on. Because here's Hoover. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> because there's so much to tell you because we missed it all. <laughs> we got this moment where they're giving... Okay, so here we are. Meanwhile, back on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> okay, just like they, you were after the Maltese Falcon, Falcon, they're after something um, called Alexander's Eyes, okay? It's like a jewel. There's two of them because it's his eyes, his plural. Eyes. And it was Alexander the Great. It was on a statue of Alexander the Great, and they're missing. And okay, there's so much more to the plot, and I just don't want to tell you. It's <laughs> just too late. All right, well, look, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the people who are looking for the eyes mm-hmm. hire him with a, with a fake story. He gets wise to it. Then he says, mm-hmm. all right. But then the police are trailing him because they don't trust Marlowe. And he's one step ahead of the police. Uh-huh. And then uh, he's making deals with the uh, people who try to set him up while he's talking <laughs> to someone else. And he's going to play those two deals off each other. Kind of. Okay, so even though you're wrong, you're right. right. It is that level of complexity. It is all about him making deals for, you know, the eyes, and everyone's making deals with him to get them, outbidding each other and stuff. And there are layers with the cops and who he's telling the truth to, et cetera. Okay, so it's like every... Right now, he's, he's stringing along the landlord. Remember, he found the guy? Right. He goes, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you one month, but I'm the guy who takes you in. He goes, okay, Bogart. So he's just sort of buying time with the with the with the girlfriend yeah, maybe, and the landlord yeah but maybe she doesn't really want him or maybe he's gonna does he show oh, up at the end of the movie like all buffed out she wants him she misses him so much she's his cuddly little place her <laughs> cuddly little plaything. oh I just read this uh, Robert Saatchi had a one man show called Bogey's Back, which toured the USA for four years. This guy really did a lot of stage time, a lot of stage time. Yeah, I remember I was on the African Queen. Oh, he's talking about the African Queen. (laughs) And when we drove, we drove by night. Oh, that's another reference. Casablanca. Yeah, I was in the White House, you know. The Mexicans call it the Casablanca. Oh, I know Casablanca. Uh, Okay, um, Robert Sachi, thanks you for One Man Play. And if you have VIP tickets, there's a Q&A to follow. Uh, Yes, question for Mr. Sachi. Yeah, Mr. Sachi, uh, pick fan. What was it like working with the Gina uh, Roland impersonator? She was terrific. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Gina. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about once again um, uh, Michelle Phillips, right? Oh, is she supposed to be looking like? Yeah, I guess you're right. And there's a movie poster behind Bogart in many of those scenes in his office of her. That's what she's oh. supposed? To, well, the internet says she's supposed to look like her. Interesting. I got a question for Robert Sussy. Yes, you in the back, uh, Mr. Sussy. What was it like working with Veronica Lake impersonator? Not professional at all. Would show up late. <laughs> Didn't even know. Did you know that she's not the star of Lady in the Lake? Mm. Mm. 
So this movie should just be porno. They should have just skipped regular television and just been like, this dude looks like someone you know from the movies and he's banging away. <laughs> Look at him have no, sex. but I really think, seriously, they should have made black and white films, serious drama. You know, like, you saw Chinatown with Nicholas, yeah. uh, with Nick, uh, excuse me, Jack Nicholson. Uh-huh. Imagine a Chinatown professionally well-done film starring Humphrey Bogart. Well, I mean, he would look great if he was like a barfly number two. Like if Cheers had a barfly, he just happened to be look like Humphrey Bogart. You know what I mean? Like he blends in the background, like just a mug. Um, I don't think so. I think they could have made it. He could have had a huge career, this guy. Yeah. Doing, you know, remi- not remakes, but of that style, that genre, that uh, theme, you know. Uh, Mr. Bogart. Oh, listen to the audio. He does a really good job. Something I already have all up. What kind of aging talk is that? Listen, I can promise you much more than a hundred thousand. I do. I do it better, Carl. Uh, yeah. uh, Carl, I heard you were looking for a Humphrey Bogart impersonator. Yes, I am. Yeah. Well, Please you come in. Please come. Yeah, in. come in. And you want you want to drink some bourbon from a paper cup? Ah, there you go. <laughs> Here, put this tie on. Put on the tie so you look. I don't work for you. I don't work for the French. You understand? Okay. All right. I get. $200 a day plus expenses. <laughs> Do not ask me to bogart me. Why don't you stop bogarting that joint, dude? Come on. Pass it over. Uh, there's your joke. I was smoking pot yeah. with Humphrey Bogart. Beetle. Oh, yeah. I must have. Uh, and there his little clunker. They borrowed the uh, here car. Here comes a Volkswagen Beetle van. Right behind it, that's that portrays the hippies, which on television were a thing back in 1980. It would be great to have a show and say, "Today we're going to have a Beetle on." Everyone goes, "Yay!" And then at the end of the show, it's the car. It's his car. I got to go. <laughs> oh, Drive off in it. It's the most ramshackle garage sale I've seen. <laughs> Is it like his girlfriend threw all his shit out? Ramshackled. Now oh. they were searching for the eyes. Oh, and they pulled all this shit out. What part of Orange County does he live in? Pasadena. What part of Pasadena <laughs> does he live in? And the uh, burglars from Christmas Story were there again. I know, the wet bandits. You know, they, they call them wet bandits because they like to keep the sink going. <laughs> yeah. Now they know every house you hit. Ah, I'm looking for the script. I know it's somewhere. I talk They're like looking this. for the eyes. So that's Eva. Elsa, you see, it's a weird thing in this movie. There's two lead women. Okay, you see the cop in the background there? He's our Star Trek connection. Okay. Um, in the original series, there was a uh, an episode called Spectre of the Gun, and it had, like, uh, Billy the Kid, uh, Doc Holliday, and all those. He was a rancher in it, so he's our Star Trek connection. Do you care? I do. I'm a big tombstone historian, so I like to hear stories about it in various... Uh, well, he was also in Bonanza and Wild Wild West and Get Smart and Wagon Train. And, yeah, no, he definitely know. has a Western face to him. Like, he just needs the prairie yeah. behind him. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing was about it, he was a rancher. Uh, it was about, you know, the Old West, so of course they hired him. Yeah, he's a good man. Greg Palmer. Yeah, Greg Palmer. Yeah. I'm Bogart talking on the phone. 
Like, the thing about Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid is that, like, when that came out, I, I wasn't too familiar with all those movies. So that was my first it, experience with it. And it's yeah. funny. It blended well, right? It blended. I mean, it's a gimmicky movie. I mean, you know, like, but the way those guys, uh, Reiner and, and C. Martin, write jokes for the screen, it's just really funny. Like, the maximum humor they can pull off of it. Yeah. Remember he went to make the co- coffee and he had the thing of Java? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that movie's on. Uh, I like that movie a lot. No, but, uh, you know, and, and it went on forever and ever. Do you remember he was He's like, I'll make you some coffee, and then he continued to pour the coffee beans into the thing yeah. for, like, way too long. I don't know. I just, I thought that movie was genius. Yeah, it's a great movie. I, I wonder, like, because, you know, the problem also is, I, I think for our generation, too, is that, like, Mad Magazine was always making fun of Sam Spade and so there's yeah. always been Humphrey Bogart impressions uh, uh, parodies whether it's on Bugs Bunny cartoons or you know like uh, yep. Mad Magazine so by the time we get around to, to seeing them we've seen the parody first like I've, I've seen yeah, the parody yeah we've seen the parody first yeah and now I think it's just like people are just seeing like, yeah, he was uh, he's a guy from 30 years ago playing a guy from, you know, 30 years ago. It's weird. Are they on a cruise? Are they on the love Well, they were invited on the father's ship, and that's the guy who played King Tut and Batman. Right. <laughs> Gina's father. And basically they're all offering him, if you find these, you know, nice. um, eyes of um, Betty Davis. Um, Alexander's eyes. Betty you know, I'll Davis give you 100,000, 300,000. Do you think he dates the girl with Betty Davis's eyes? Gina Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Davis. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, he definitely dates Gina. He has sex with her in the movie, so. All right. Now, D- Django is also a competitor. Uh for Alexander's eyes, and uh, they're uh, oh, they're talking. He's like this. making his apologies for leaving because he has his own party tonight, and you'll see it's very debauched. We're gonna have a seven-minute belly dancing scene. Really? All right. Yeah. Semi- watch it's that. a record, by the way. Seven minutes. This this holds the record as the longest belly dancing <laughs> scene. Oh, in the movie theater? No, I think I hold the record for trying to sit down. <laughs> I rolled my stomach in front of an audience recently. You did? What I see? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It didn't go over as great as I thought. I told a joke that didn't work, so I said, I need to evoke the emergency joke system, and I pulled out my belly <laughs> and rolled it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and what happened? It went okay. It went all right. Well, people laughed. I mean, I haven't recorded people laugh, but I really thought it was going to get a roar. You could hear the audience go, where am I on the list? Right, exactly. Well, last night I played a real show. Uh, I didn't do that bit, but it was I killed last night. When you have uh, a room full uh, of strangers, they just well, come that's the whole movie. Watch, yeah. you'll get out of it. Watch, they'll both end up in the drink. You'll see. Sucker punching, breaking people's jaws. Crack. He was already falling down. Wow. Man, into the drink. Into the drink. Oh. My stuntman union will be after you. You said no drink. You saved me again. 
How can I ever refuck you? <laughs> you can start by refucking me. I'm Humphrey Bogart, see? Humphrey Bogart. How can I ever repay you? Do you know a Grateful Dead song called The Women Are Smarter? I probably heard it, right? I, I've yeah, heard see, that's song. the thing. Like, I got this great joke. It goes with that song, but nobody knows that song. So, uh, Wait, Is that the song where the guitar solo goes... They do a space jam. I know that song. Yeah. And wait, and you go dance around like this? Swing your arms. Okay, here's Django, like, being a pervert. Oh, here comes the, the seven-minute... Seven-minute belly dance we're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, we proudly present the only belly dancer who dances the entirety of Hotel California by the Eagles. Will you please give it up to the seven-minute <laughs> belly dancer? Yay! Yeah. Shake, 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 shake. On dark days, I will shake, 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 shake. <laughs> Tonight, I will be doing my seven-minute belly, uh, belly dancing to American Pie by Don McLean. But... February made me shiver. Shakey, shakey, shakey. <laughs> I, you know, since I didn't tell the plot, it's all like. Uh, no, you, are you saying we lost? We lost. They were too far out. Yeah, I mean. Tell me the story. To, well, we could pause it. No. And we could. You could catch no. me up, and then we could continue. <laughs> Listen, I found out something. A lot of these people are in the Wild Wild West show, which we know. Yeah. And there's no comma. No, there's no I mean, wild comma. That's wild. how wild Wild West it was. There's like no comma. Yeah. Right. There's Coming like no up next rules. on CBS, it's Wild Wild West, starring <laughs> Robert Vaughn. The thing is, do you think that, like, by a mistake in some PowerPoint presentation? The very first time it ever got pitched, and it's the a, guy was like, "I like that you have no comma." It's, it's a pun. That's interesting. It's a they're, pun. they're like looking at each other. Thanks. That was. Uh, oh, not, that was your idea, they're, boss. They're not saying that the West was wild, wild. They're saying the <laughs> Wild West was wild. It's the wild, right. wild West. There's no comma needed. There's only one adjective on the noun. Noun being the Wild West. Yeah, the, the the Wild West is one unit. It's together one unit. As it's a an open term. compound uh, word, as we would say. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll compound you when we get to the office. Do you ever watch that show? Sure. Huh? I don't think I've ever. I never seen an episode. Oh well, that's uh, too bad. Uh, I guess it's okay that you missed that one. I would go to YouTube and like watch one or two. Do you remember that guy who was on Bob Bob Black Sheep, uh, Black Sheep Squadron? Robert Wagner was that his name? No, Vaughn. no, Robert Vaughn. So he was always the. You'll see, it's him. You'll know all the faces, and it's like technology meets the old west. Uh, and it's like sixty spies, right? Yeah, yeah. Meets yeah. the old west. I'm down with that. Now there was a remake of Wild Wild West that you probably saw with Will Smith. Right, that was from 1999, and that was uh, that was the one right. of the worst movies ever made. Now you remember how 
1880s looking technology met our computer graphics of today or whatever. Sure. I was just That was kind of what was happening then. You know, I just watched a movie this morning called Mortal Engines. Uh-huh. And it's based on a young adult uh, dystopian science fiction movie about in the future, uh, right. cities roam around using steampunk technology, uh, firing onto each other. Like, you remember What's that? it called? Mortal, mortal Engines! Do, 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 do. Is it worth seeing? It's, uh, I, I liked it. You know, it's like $200 million, $300 million on the screen, and it's like a little Star Wars-y, but it's an original... Uh, property, you know, hasn't been made before, and all it's right, fine. Mortal Engines, I'll do it. It's a young adult movie. It's for kids to go, whoa, wow. <laughs> the last, the last half hour of that movie is just explosions and like, you know, or orchestrations. Was he? He's going now. This the... guy is named Buck um, Carcalian. No, it's not. Here it is. It's Victor Sen Young. And he's playing himself. Really? Um, yeah. No, his name is Mike Marzuki, and he's playing himself. He was a veteran actor, and he was uh, in Thank Your Lucky Stars with Hungry Bogart. And he's answering questions as himself. Um, he must get a lot of Hungry Bogart impersonators coming in to ask him questions. <laughs> very boring. Very boring, his part. It's so weird. I think that's like that's what George Raft did probably in the other movies. You know, just like I am George Raft. Sure, ask me right. any question. <laughs> well, like what's happening here is he's putting two and two together, and it's supposed to be like underneath the feet of so and so, and he's realizing it's it's a stamp on a letter. So if he removes it, removes the stamp, he's going to find, you know, it's like National Treasure clues and stuff. It's all to get to these. God. Alexander's eyes. It's always like that. Oh, here she is. Hi, Misty. She's like, I cleaned up and I threw out your important envelope. Damn it, woman! <laughs> so they have to go down to the dumpster, but the garbage uh, already came, so now they have to jump into the garbage truck. Oh, see, this is why I don't want to know the plot, Carl. I mean, like, they're just going to jump into a garbage <laughs> truck and they have a story to make sure it goes. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I hate to say it, but, you know, you have a blonde secretary. Of course, she's going to throw out your paperwork. What? No love for blonde secretary jokes? No, I, I, I love blonde secretary jokes. Oh. He goes, it's not in here. She goes, are you sure? He goes, look, it's empty. It's not in here. Are you sure? Mr. Wing. Mr. Bogart. He's calling him Bogart yeah. and he's correcting him every Hello. Look at how LA the place is now. I don't know how like this is LA the city or the fucking suburbs. LA the city, but LA is sprawling, yeah. you know. It's this is downtown LA. This Look at is, this, it's so ridiculous. Hey, Humphrey Bogart like impersonator, Trenton. get out of the garbage disposal. <laughs> I have a perfectly good explanation for this. Right. Yeah. And he's going, shut the engine down. There's people in there. Whoa. Now he's going to find it and give it a kiss. you think these actors would stoop this low, but no, they're in the garbage. 
They're fucking in the garbage. <laughs> We're not fucking in the garbage. I'm get my agent on the phone. Give my. Here's a scene. You have to go in a garbage truck with a Humphrey Bogart impersonator. I don't. He, he kissed it. You see, it was yeah, in the garbage, and he kissed it. I do that all the time. I'm like, where's that <laughs> banana peel I dropped? Now oh, you see the, the, the under the feet. Yeah. He figured out it was under the stamp. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they can at least get out of the fucking garbage. The garbage truck. I smell. Oh, uh, let's take a shower. So where is he now? Now, the thing is, why is the secretary? Is oh it? yeah, okay. She, yeah, take, she did take a shower. That's right. Well, she's walking around in his shirt. His shirt, right? Yeah. Because he always has a change of uh, outfit at the office because of the kind of lifestyle he lives. Oh, yeah. You know how the private detectives are. Got to walk the beat. You got to sit in You got to yeah. drink whiskey. 14-hour days. Yeah. 50 bucks Easier an hour. to sleep at the office. Well, she's probably wearing underwear, do you think? No, she, that's part of the joke. She doesn't wear um, She brought that up in the first act. Well, yeah, in the first act, he's wearing the trench coat, and she goes, aren't you getting hot in there? And he goes, I don't wear underwear. And she goes, oh, me neither. And no, I saw I Carl, I just heard it on the movie, saw it in the play, <laughs> and read it in the novel. You know that? Chapter two, she's not wearing underwear. Chapter ten, reprieve. She still ain't wearing underwear. It was referenced in the sequel. I read the okay, comic so now, book. I'm not wearing underwear. Asterisk. See episode, see issue one, <laughs> editor. So now uh, e Elsa is dead. Whoa. Killed because she had some sort of clue to Alexander's eyes. It wasn't because she was in Sicily and her car blew up that was set for Michael Corleone blew up? Right. That's for Michael Corleone. She, she goes, I I just, I can't think of a joke. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Monday. I speak just to fine. <laughs> uh, so he's saying like, okay, you've got a body, but don't make it public who it is for two days because like it'll ruin his. So I don't feel like telling you the plot. Is that Larry so, Drake, the guy from L.A. Law? No. He, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the reference. All I know is William Benny. Shatner was on L.A. Law. Oh, is this Nero? This is uh, Django. This is, no, this is Clouseau's uh, nemesis. Lom. Herbert Lom. And he's, uh, again, he's... It was obvious that he's been following him, looking for Alexander's eyes, because he planted. Um, uh, he only told one person where he was going, and the goons were there. This sounds like plot. I'm going to stop. Oh no, no, no! Please, please, bore me with the it. plot. The man's in the, 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 the pitch was this: the man with. All right, you're in the elevator. What you got? <laughs> all right, here's the movie: the man with the Hogarth's face. Who's his star? Man with the whole Bogart's face? What's it about? 
Man with the Bogart's face. The Man with the Bogart's face. How are we going to advertise this? What are we going to put on the poster? Man with the Bogart's face. Great. Done. Make it 90 minutes. Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. It's just so true what you're saying. It's like a one-trick pony, and he did it for 30 years. So weird. He's like, but dresses don't cost $500. It's a change, sweetheart. I mean, it could have been worse. It could have looked like Mel Gibson or Bill Cosby, and then his career would have... You know the story about Von Meter? He no. Was a, he, uh, he would do uh, JFK impressions, and he had the first family... Oh. He had these albums, and then when the president got assassinated, he uh, he didn't really have a follow-up to it. Because it was in bad taste? It was in bad taste. He couldn't, he couldn't continue. I thought you were going to say someone shot him. <laughs> <laughs> you can still see him in Branson, Missouri. Now, this I recognize. This is like some kind of... Now, this is Gilligan's... This, yeah, this is, is the USS Minnow. This is when they returned and they had their own like love boat, uh, Gilgan's Island uh, Resort. The great thing about Gilgan Island spinoff movies, they followed after the TV series, then, is that they'll uh-huh. like have their own like uh, hotel and they'll be like you know episodic adventures or they'll they'll meet the Harlem Globetrotters. Whatever the movie is, the ending is always them getting stranded on the island again. Like, everyone uh-huh. who visits disappears and they're stuck on the island. They're like, Gilligan? They would blame Gilligan for everything. That's Where's right. My and tooth- he wouldn't defend himself. Yeah, he would just be like, yeah, I was. I didn't put the toothpaste. Well, he would try to talk up and then he'd get interrupted. Or he tried to say the right thing, but he stubbed his toe. Right. You know? uh, he was such a pothead. Dobie Gillis, too. Okay, so the clues have led them here to, to this, this uh, spawn ranch. cactus. Yeah. This was a military installation that they made when they thought maybe the Japanese would try to invade America. Now it's abandoned, of course. Wow. I do like her jump, or pantsuit. It's very 1980s. Yeah. Huh. Where's the plot? I know it was out here somewhere. <laughs> Let's ask Carl. Carl. Well, it's the me. only thing we really care about the plot here is they're going to follow the instructions and dig up something. And there's another and clue. They will find the eyes of Alexander. This is basically a Charlie's Angels episode stretched to 90 minutes, right? I mean, like, this is what Charlie's yes. Angel does. We found another clue, Angels. Right. Let's. It says go to the Spawn Ranch. And take a left at, at uh, and then spawn. You think that was called spawn? Just as I figured, sh- shut still with rust. Good thing I brought a gun. Oh no, we got a hammer. Don't, don't, don't. Eat shit. Clank, 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 yeah. clank. He got it. Go kind of lefty Lucy. Lefty Lucy, lefty Lucy. Humphrey, lefty Lucy. I'm Humphrey Bogart. He goes, my big meat paws won't fit in there. Meat paws? Try your little clams. My hands, which are also similar to the late Humphrey Bogart, hands can't fit in there. Yes, I know you. your hands look like Humphrey Bogart. Are you saying that I have a face like Humphrey Bogart? No, no, your no. hands. Hand twins. 
Well, what did they found? Well, they found something in there? Sa- oh, oh. Eyes of I see Alan Nice tits, lady. <laughs> nice clothes. Whoa. What? I said nice orbs. Nice tits. Wow, that really worked out. She's going to kiss and double cross him. <laughs> you know, I was in the mamas and the papas. Don't remind me. Uh-oh, 70s car. Bang, bang, pow, shooting. Yeah, miss, I guess somebody miss. else wants them, too. Miss, run over the tripwires. Yeah, yeah, they figured it out. I don't think they figured it out. They just probably trailed them. How did they know he was here? They they trailed him. They, they, they knew that he had the clues to find it. So all they had, all we got to do was wait for him to find it. Yeah, but they arrived like 15 minutes afterwards. No, right away. Right away. All right. So they were just. Well, he went to where they're supposed to be. He uncovered them and then they showed up, started shooting. Oh, uh, this house party and taking down, bringing down the house. Our house. Hound of the hotel. That's right. (laughs) I thought you were going to sing Madness. Our house is really Our neat. house in the middle of our... St- I would, that's, I'm not going to sing that. That's madness. <laughs> yeah. That is... It would be madness to sing that song. That's what... When, so I asked who sang that song and they told me it was madness. I said it would be madness. madness. And I don't like remember madness. how we played it. We said, hey, why? No. Yeah, yeah. Not a code come between us. Living in England is really, really, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's where I would want to live if I had to live abroad or something. Like, be all interesting. Everything, every way everybody talks, and everybody's got a different accent, even though it's the same old accent. And they'll be like, Carl, you keep saying that to us. We get it. Our accents are weird. But when you're in England, you're like, that that accent. Yeah. All right, sir. What's going on there? Big chase. Yeah, it's a big chase, but they found out that they couldn't go. You know, it says danger, like you're going to fall off the cliff. So they're hiding. And then they escape. Oh. You see that? They hit yep, my car. Yeah, pushed them right off the cliff. Uh... Oh. Boom. I like when they explode was... when they hit the cliff yeah. because then it doesn't really pollute the water much. Oh, no, the fiery uh, remains are going to the water. Well, the thing is, that was not too much explosion for what it was. That always happens on movies, right? They, they, they had a reasonable explosion. Yeah. You think in real life it would have been a nutty explosion? No way. <laughs> just in, oh, here comes the African queen. Oh. oh yeah, the African Queen is a little dinky rink, dinky boat, right? Yeah, it's perfect if you're uh, rum. I never saw that movie. How can I even make reference to it? I read the parody. I'm getting a little movie. sick of you. Do you have to keep talking? <laughs> oh, I see the further adventures of the man with Bogart's face coming up. <laughs> I, oh, I'm not doing a good Bogart. I've got too much rah, rah, grouchy in it. You know what I mean? Like, Carl it wasn't really is that. 
Carl will astound you in the man with the voice of the man with the Bogart's face. I sound like the guy with the man with the voice. Oh, Correct. Into, sir, will you please stop punching people into the water? Yeah, see, like, why? I don't understand why he's got to work so hard for these comedic points. Just make a black and white movie in which you're being serious and doing some some detective mystery thing. Dude, some psycho through. could have made a fortune. Here's what I want. Sir, you just punched a man into the water. Uh-oh. No, he's put Alexander's eyes in this, like, capsule. And then he's going to drop it Ensuring that nobody, like, double-crosses him, kills him, takes him. Oh. I saw her. So the, the stupid eyes are in that thing? Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a big thing. Yep. And only I know the combination. So that's a little more Bogart part. Yeah, no, no, I thought Humphrey Bogart was talking to me. I like the I like my hum, bad Humphrey Bogart better. Well, mine's mixed up with James Cagney and Jack Nicholson. Play it for her, you can play it for me, see? Sam. <laughs> I am Jack Nicholson. See, I could buy three impressions in one impression. Play it, Sam, like you used to play it. I told you never to play that song. <laughs> it's like I'm watching Casablanca. These are the eyes, see? Oh, yes, we yeah. want, we want. Oh, Must have them. Give them to me. I want them. Now they start a bidding war. And it is going to get high. Huh. They, they start out like 100000 200000 It climbs to a million dollars with their haggling back and forth. And then he's like, they both have a million dollars in their briefcase. Right. So he's like, he goes, I got this ring here. Look, you see this watch? This watch is $17,000. This is my Harvard clip. <laughs> All right. My I'll give you my belt. It's a nice belt. Two hundred million. He's gonna throw it in the fucking water, right? <laughs> he seems like an asshole yeah. thing to do. Oh yeah, they got the suitcase. The briefcase is full of money. Yup. Look at that. It's TV movie money. Silver certificates. What is this? It says property yeah, of NBC props on it. <laughs> That's right. Confederate dollars. Excuse me. <laughs> they say Tucker on it. The man had a dream. <laughs> yeah. It says paper see, and look, Bitcoin. You saying you see this ring right here? That's a nice ring. You go. You see this watch? Wow. All right. Here's a picture of my wife. Do what you will. <laughs> well, I could tell I require that. 15 minutes to inspect this in private. <laughs> 15 minutes? I'll, well, I'll give you the cuffs. down after. <laughs> cuffs links. Wow. This guy's cashing out. 
See, celebrities get such free free products in the grab bag. <laughs> All right, here's my pacemaker. Tell me if you need it. What about your asthma medicine? You son of a bitch. <laughs> For some reason, King Tut and uh, Django have to get naked. I forget the plot point, even though I, this is my third time seeing this. Well, I wrote to NBC back in 1979. They said I would watch King Tut from Batman and Django strip. And they said, okay, we'll make it. <laughs> oh, he's wearing like a comedic red undershirt. He is taking off his clothes. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got, the got his long john. Yeah. Dr. Dentum. Now Nero's doing the same thing. That's insane. But I forget why they have to get naked. Something like to prove that you are not something. I don't know. He's just going to throw it in the water. He doesn't have a T-shirt. Dude, Nero's fucking built. You want me to take my shirt off? Fine, I'll take my shirt off. Happy to take my shirt off. Somebody in this room tried to persuade your nephew to double cross you. Or Why would he do all this stuff? It's so weird. It's always the final chamber piece where they're in the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you wonder why talking. I got you to come in here and strip your clothes off. It was actually you all the time. Not. What? Let's listen. Uh, I was never supposed to see, but it didn't play that way. You knew all this time. I took a squint while the three you were laid out. It looked more like graduation pictures. But if that's the way you wanted to play, it was okay by me. Especially when you showed up at my apartment. Sam, please. And when you couldn't find the letter, the Commodore said George on me. He got the letter, and nobody could figure out the riddle. Oh my God. Uh, or Elsa? Yeah. Listen, we're actors in this piece. You don't have to explain. They're even explaining the plot in the movie. Literally explaining the yep. plot in the movie. It's not just you, Carl. Yeah, I know. It's like, don't talk through the movie. You're talking through the movie. All right. So then I went up the stairs and I opened the door. You, Mr. Zebra? Who? Who? All right. They did close shots and the answer is? 5% wasn't good enough for you. You wanted half, all of it. If you could get rid of me. Loom. It was Hubert all along. I know he's faking that. Find a loom. Sit down, Wolfie. You talk too much, Mr. Zebra. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So was it Loom or is he just psyching him out and then waiting for someone to say, yeah? Ha, ah, it's interesting you would say, yeah, because if it was so, then you are actually the killer. Well, this started out with like a plot like my father's missing, you gotta find him, and then another woman like there are these compromised pictures of me, you gotta help me get him back. Uh-huh. And so during all of that, the two stories mixed together with this strange eyes of Alexander Jewel. And then like Sam looks like he's the kind of person who could find something that was missing, so they all hire him to find those uh, eyes of Laura Mars. Uh, yeah, so 
that's what happened. The, the movie changed from Jeez. I'm a detective kind of guy to I'm a Maltese Falcon. I'm a, I'm dealing. You know, honestly, I bet you. Dime. I bet you if we read the novel, the novel would be like this guy. He looks like Bogart, so things from Bogart's life happens to him, and it's probably a play right. on what American uh, dream and what American men uh, believe in, and what actually happens. Like, because we're raised on Humphrey Bogart archetypes. Uh-huh. So there's your movie. So in the in the book, it would be like literally he does the Maltese Falcon. Literally, he does the murder thing. Right. And in the movie, it's just just kind of linear. Now we have our big shootout, and Humphrey never gets hit. Never gets hit. Never yeah, gets you hit. You never shoot a gun inside a fucking cabin of a ship. What are you stupid? Do it outside so the body falls in the water. <laughs> You don't want to sink your boat because you fucking shot a gun inside it. So he's got the jewels yes. in his hand. He gets Whoa. thrown overboard. They're still in his and hands. Now watch what happens to him. Shark? Yes, he gets eaten by a shark. He does? And the, out, the jewels are gone. And you know, a little trivia, that shark was on the way to shoot Happy Days in uh, the studio next door. <laughs> oh, there is a shark. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, Hollywood. Swimming with sharks, as they say. Okay, I want you to pretend you got eaten by a shark for some reason. Yeah, I mean, why would... There's fucking sharks in the water. I'm going to throw you two out. He's a fucking homicide. That guy's a psychopath. Well, a Coast Guard ship just showed up because they're the cops who are on the trail of Sam Marlowe. Well, that was a K-9 shark. I don't know if you know that. It was actually working with the police. It was a K-9 shark? Yeah, a K-9 shark. <laughs> so he works with the police. Cops. Yeah, for the Coast Guard. So um, The water cops. He had it in his hand, and the gulp, his hand is eaten. Oh, the shark only bit the hand with the eyes in it. Right. I don't know. But that shark double-crossed me. Oh, boy. I found your girl, your boyfriend. He had amnesia. Yeah, and he lost 80 pounds. Well, let's say I'm glad everything resolved. Why is there a picture of a horse on behind him? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. So I went to my friend's picnic and he said, do you want to play a game of horseshoes? And I was like, a game of horseshoes? What are those pumps? <laughs> I think I got. I it. would not play a game of horseshoes. I would watch a game of like stiletto heels and. Oh yeah. Oh no. But he was saying horseshoes. I think he oh, might have misunderstood oh, oh. him. Oh oh. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, so now like it's epilogue, right? All oh, right. And the final like, commercial those break. Those two are pretty much husband and wife now. Or Nick and Nora. Yeah, see? Why did you let Zebra get your gun? Why'd you punch me in the first movie? In the first reel? Yeah, right. We never get that explained. Every time we see her, the blanket, like, wraps around her midsection like it was a dress. Huh. Well, that's because this is the edited for television version. And the uh, 20 minutes taken out is her trying to do that. Oh, yeah, I know. That's a weird look. It always wraps around her like a dress. Yeah, well, you know, she wants to keep the girls in, ch- in check, I guess. Then look what we've... He palmed 
He palmed the jewels. He had the jewels all along. Okay, hove it. But she's gonna now she's gonna pull a gun on him, right? I hope he does something. The movie's almost over. That is the move. She's gonna double cross you. She won't do it. She won't do it. It's love. Listen, listen to the end. It's it's just about done here. We got a minute, two minutes. She doesn't double cross him. She's actually sleeping with him. Nope. Oh. See if. she, she isn't really a femme fatale. She's a love interest. Wait, did he just say the final line? Here's looking at you. Yeah. Oh, there's the way with Benoit Balls. Hey! See, credits! Why make a comedy? Why not make the real thing? That's what older people would want to pay That was a comedy? Wait a minute, they were making yeah. a comedy? Why did why'd you tell yeah. me? I could have... Holy cow, it's something. Carl, what do you think of the movie? <laughs> Holy cow, it's dunk. But it was good for your... It was fun to see the mamas and the papas lady and, you know, to discuss, you know, King Cut and, and all of the interesting people who were a part of this project. So, uh... You know, I just... That way it was good. So this, uh... There was, like, the... announcer speaking at the end of this YouTube video on the news. Here, let's see if we can... I can see it in the closed captioning. This is Jim Coming up next on Channel 5, the latest on the fiery end of Aero Mexico Flight 498. 72 are now reported. It's dead. literally the... Yeah, this is the news reporter on the TV show. Also tonight, an arrest and the murder of an elderly Dallas couple, the one-year anniversary of the Blue Law. Fast-moving glaciers, spies, the Labor Day forecast, and Scott Murray's Sports Extra. All are next on Channel 5. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you, Channel 5. Yeah. Thank you, Corey Semmel, for this recording. And it wasn't Fox 5. It was WNET, wasn't it? No, this is at Los Angeles. This is a recording from Los Angeles Television. So. Yeah, right. I'm thinking. You're thinking of Channel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, very cool. Uh, that was Man's with Bogart's Face. Whoa, <laughs> man. Uh, Jesus Christ. That just happened. Yeah, well, it's a curio. I mean, I, I wish they make more films like this. So uh, next week's film, I don't really have a trailer for. Oh, why don't you just give us a little tickler? All right, well, here's a 30... Uh, I have a five-minute section of it. Oh, why don't I do a, a half-a-minute one? Next week's movie, Carl, is going to be Throw Out the Anchor. That's a kid's movie from 1974. It's about, oh, right. Yeah. Right, I got that... Uh... Okay, that's going to be fun. That's got uh, Little House on the Prairie Girl, Nelly. It's going to be good. We're listening to the uh, theme. Okay. To the man's with Bogart's face. Oh, I take it back. Does not sound like Blind Date at all. <laughs> Here we go. Got to keep He's got it. He's got a face like Bogart. He's got a face like Bogart. Face, man with the Bogart face. <laughs> so terrible. Now Second I've verse. got um, uh, Deadhead Hours, Mortal yeah. Engines, The Big Sleep. Yeah, uh, Big Sleep's good. Um, Demolition Mont- with Dean Martin. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Max Helm. A lot of films the, to watch. A lot of films. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah, homework. So here's a 30-second clip from Take Out, Throw Out the Anchor. Carl, when can people see you again? Uh, just uh, check out uh, 
carlsucks.com and you know you'll see all my shows october 12 i guess you'll see me there in elmwood park all right there you go october 12 market calendars if you're here in san francisco and you're listening to the live stream i'm running off to my kavika show at ocean beach deli every last sunday of the month at 5 30 all right so here is a clip from throw out the anchor we'll see you guys next week bye bye carl wait aren't we gonna talk well okay bye Motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1 800 Law Tigers or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834.
I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with a white interior. And I started to do some thinking. really good time. Flat black classic. big Saturday, noon to two. I am a total Hello, Blake. Henry! Yeah, Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Nine months ago, a small hand-wrought baton began a journey in John O'Groats, Scotland, packed tenderly into the crusty saddlebags of some adventurous next to her underwear and can opener. At present, the thing is several time zones away, but on its way to San Francisco next month, Friday, October 4th, we will be celebrating its arrival with a party at Moto Guild on Treasure Island. Join us in welcoming the baton and her bearers, the Women's Riders World Relay, to Northern California, making its way back to Europe via everywhere from the furthest reaches of six continents, Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Oceania, and on its way across North and South America, igniting a global sisterhood of inspirational women to promote courage, adventure, unity, and passion for biking. There'll be music, food, entertainment, neat bikes to look at, stories to swap, art to ogle, purchase, and people to meet. Everyone is, of course, invited to bring the whole family. Family admission is free, but bring a few bucks for food, bevies, a raffle, and cool stuff from vendors. On Friday, October 4th, San Francisco will be celebrating the arrival of the Baton in California at Moto Guild on Treasure Island from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Come celebrate your love of the motorcycle and the women who ride them. For more information on the party and other awesome motorcycle-related tidbits, join the Dames Don't Care Motorcycle Collective on Facebook for lots of information. Info on the relay, visit womenridersworldrelay.com. Hope to see you there at Moto Guild on Friday, October 4th with Dames Don't Care. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? 
I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, guys. Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1 800 Law Tigers or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Harris, Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun!
1969 gold Cadillac with a white Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Nine months ago, a small, hand-wrought baton began a journey in John O'Groats, Scotland, packed tenderly into the crusty saddlebags of some adventurous next to her underwear and can opener. At present, the thing is several time zones away, but on its way to San Francisco next month, Friday, October 4th, we will be celebrating its arrival with a party at Moto Guild on Treasure Island. Join us in welcoming the baton and her bearers, the Women's Riders World Relay, to Northern California, making its way back to Europe via everywhere from the furthest reaches of six continents, Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Oceania, and on its way across North and South America, igniting a global sisterhood of inspirational women to promote courage, adventure, unity, and passion for biking. There'll be music, food, entertainment, neat bikes to look at, stories to swap, art to ogle, purchase, and people to meet. Everyone is, of course, invited to bring the whole family Family admission is free, but bring a few bucks for food, bevies, a raffle, and cool stuff from vendors. On Friday, October 4th, San Francisco will be celebrating the arrival of the Baton in California at Moto Guild on Treasure Island from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Come celebrate your love of the motorcycle and the women who ride them. For more information on the party and other awesome motorcycle-related tidbits, join the Dames Don't Care Motorcycle Collective on Facebook for lots of information. Info on the relay, visit womenridersworldrelay.com. Hope to see you there at Moto Guild on Friday, October 4th with Dames Don't Care. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? 
I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counteroffer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counteroffer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counteroffer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the bad